This month we get classy like Mr. Darcy as we investigate art house horror, including your all-time top ten. Hello, you're listening to episode 43 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast, and this time round we'll be looking at some of the most intellectual, the most out there, the most enigmatic, and the most two and a half hours bloody long horror films ever made, <laughs> featuring the results of our latest listeners poll. I'm Cliff. And joining me are four comedians for whom the last few months have probably been a lot like a bad art house horror movie. Long, quiet, contemplative, and with only the very occasional murder to liven things up. Mm-hmm. Emily McQuaid, Phil Jarrod, Luke Poulton, and Brian Eno. Hello. But before we get our berets and our gulwars, uh, let's see what crap, to use Emily's phrase, we've found stuff down the back of Netflix and Prime uh, this month. And Emily, you can start. Highs and lows. I haven't found any crap. It's it's two highs again, which is kind of unusual. Wow. I think I'm I'm probably just looking for optimistic things in the current bin fire that is the world. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I rewatched Creep Show, which I haven't seen since I was a small child. Good and film. Um, yeah, that's great, great fun, great use of colours, etc. Um, Stephen King can't act, but you know. He doesn't have to because he's Stephen King. <laughs> um, and my other high, I'm not entirely sure it counts as horror, and that is um, Brian De Palma's Blowout. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's great. Good film. It is. It's very, very good, yeah. Um, John Travolta being good, Nancy Allen being awesome, as always, and um, the ending being properly nasty in a Ooh. classically De Palma way. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's been good. I love a bit of Brenda Palmer. Luke! Uh, my high is Shudder actually put out an alright film for once called Yummy, which is... <laughs> Such a bad title though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's about a woman going to get breast reduction, but then there's zombies in the plastic surgery place that she has gone to. Um, it's pretty over the top. Um, it's, it's a lot of what you've seen before in zombie movies, but it's just a ridiculous film and remind me of films like Brain Dead and that, and it's worth checking out because of that well no i'm intrigued as to why a film about breast reduction is called yummy <laughs> i don't know because the excess breast tissue could be yummy to a zombie the bin out the back of the plastic surgery clinic is going to be like a buffet for zombies oh i love so, it <laughs> is this not explained in the film like does this not happen um is this emily's own sort of deleted scene <laughs> they do find like people that have had plastic surgery and things have gone wrong uh, there's a man who gets his penis enlarged and the tip falls off at one point. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I was just, yeah. That, Could happen that to happens. anyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, and your low? Uh, my low is death of a vlogger. Another, um... is, is it because the tip of no one's cock falls off? Yeah, no, that, that needs to happen in every film now. If that doesn't happen, it's a bad film. Just the um, tip. That's what you want from a film. <laughs> uh, yeah, Death of a Vlogger, yeah. Um, it's just another found footage film about a guy that believes there's ghosts in his apartment. But it's another one of those found footage films where the, the acting at the beginning starts out natural and then everyone else that you meet doesn't seem to know how to act like an actual human being. And right. you can tell at one point the woman has a script held up in front of her when she's talking <laughs> in the film and it's, it's it's a mess. To be fair, though, uh, did you see that David Tennant, Michael Sheen thing um, staged that was on BBC One? Because uh, Judy Dench guest stars in the final episode of that and you could see her reading her lines off her screen. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Bloody amateur. And that's Judy Dench, yeah. Bryony. Hi, um, my hi. So basically, I went for the sort of televisual medium of horror this month because too much art. 
basically, I watched every single episode of American Horror Story again. So originally I was going to do like the best and the worst one of that, but then I watched the first four episodes, I think there's only six, of um, Juwan Origins, oh, um, yeah. which is on Netflix, and it is good. It's surprisingly good. So what would you um, say? It's called Do You Want Oranges? Do you want oranges? Do you want oranges? Do you want oranges? Do you want oranges, you flags? Yes. Spooky. I was hoping no one would notice that because it did come out as do on. Do on. Do on as in as in the grudge the curse. Do you want oranges? Do you want oranges? Not do you want oranges? Oh god, it's been a really long week. Um if, do you yeah, want if, oranges? If that's what the grudge is, just them going around saying do you want oranges? <laughs> 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 That's what that creaking noise means. Like, if you listen to it closely, it's actually Japanese for free oranges for a pair. It's Japanese. Yes, we uh, have no bananas. Oranges. <laughs> See, it's quite brutal. There's a. You know, <laughs> Moving on from my speech impediment. Um, it's no, with my, my hearing impediment, honestly. <laughs> no, it really, it came out as, I, I, I can't, hang on. Do you, God, do you... I do hear you say orange, or, oh, I, don't know, I can't say it now. Like, I did hear you say origins, but I'd be the first bit. Do, do you on, do you on origins? <laughs> <laughs> Have you said, do you want orange juice this time? <laughs> do, you want, do you want oranges? Origins, origins. Do on origins. Yes. Ah. Do you want oranges? <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It's really good. Mm. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> It's um, juicy. It's such a juicy. It's very juicy. <laughs> it's it's a plump humdinger um, of a thing. Yes, it's good. Um, right. And I would watch it. That's a really good recommendation, isn't it? Just me saying the title incorrectly several times. <laughs> and they go, it's. <laughs> so before I watched that, I've watched every series of American Horror Story and. I was going to go, oh, the best one's Cult and the worst one is Coven. Because, yeah, I watched every episode of Coven and it's awful. I um, love Coven, but no. because it's a load of camp old bollocks. And also it's the first series of American <laughs> Horror Story that I saw. So Yeah, if it's your first, I get Because I, I started with House and I love the House one. Oh, the House I, one's brilliant, yeah. yeah. I think that's probably the best one. But oh, definitely. I, I do like Coven. Uh, Phil? Um, my high is uh, Doctor Sleep. Um, I put off watching it for ages and ages and ages because I know I'm sort of late to the party. It's not even a party for a lot of people, is it? <laughs> I put off watching it for ages because I'm such a big Stephen King fan and such a big Stanley Kubrick fan. I thought it was sort of piss on both of those things that I love and I'd turn into a real sort of boring person. You know the sort of person you watch a film with and you go, uh, well, actually, that wouldn't happen uh, because <laughs> I think you'll find it in the book. That is absolutely, absolutely... Their character would not do that in a million years. But it, it was actually the exact opposite. I just thought it was fucking awesome. <laughs> I loved it so much. And I can see by all of your faces that you hated it. But I, I haven't hated seen it. it. I, I haven't seen it. it. I've, been, I've been wary about seeing it for the same reason. I've actually been wary about reading the book as well. He takes the original ending of The Shining that Stanley Kubrick jettisons 
and then tacks it onto the end of Doctor Sleep. So he changes the end of Doctor Sleep by reinstating the end of The Shining. Okay, <laughs> petty, petty thing. Um, but when I saw he'd done that, I thought, oh, God, what, what, what an absolute masterstroke to do that. And my low is uh, Session 9. Ugh. I think like the main reason it was such a low was that I've never heard of it until like, maybe a year ago. And then it suddenly started popping up on all these like greatest films of all time lists. Mm. And it was like the most amazing horror film you've never seen. And it came up on Netflix or something like a month ago. And I was like excited, like a child excited. Like, oh my God, I'm going to get to see this film. And it's, it's, it's not shit, but man, it's boring and long. It really is. A basic 90s horror, sort of psychological horror film, really. Lots of sources. It's just blokes wandering around an old house. Um, I don't understand why it's got the sort of notoriety, why it's built up the notoriety that it has. Yeah, I hated that film. I always wondered why people found it so creepy. And mm. it's, it's really not. What are people getting out of it then? Where, where is it, like, where is oh, it coming I... from? Is it just know. is it just like oh spooky asylum oh spooky old photos and tapes? Oh, is there something and like call, call me an arsehole, But is is there something about the fact that it's old cool technology? And like, it might be. I'm not, yeah. That's not. I'm forty, so I'm like a tape recorder. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe if you're like sixteen, you're like Jesus, a tape recorder. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe a... <laughs> um, uh, my high is the scariest film I've seen in a long time. Not a horror film, but it's called Seventy Five Hundred. It's a German Austrian um, airplane thriller. Uh, it's set entirely inside a cockpit and you know from the start that something's going to go horribly wrong just because it's a film and so, so half the tension is wondering what it is that's going to go horribly wrong there are some hints in the opening credits but it could be anything really and then when it does start going horribly wrong oh fucking hell i literally found myself biting my nails mm. i don't think i've ever done that before it was so scary that just sounds like an extreme version of air crash investigations which is a program my dad watches when he's really depressed <laughs> and what i'm what i'm not so awesome is what you're saying yeah but i think I'd, I'd also find it slightly too stressful i, I yeah like united 93 no thank yes you. It's, it's a lot like united 93 no, thank it, you. i don't want to have that in my head when i'm having to get on a plane is it something that's going to ruin air travel well this is the thing i'm not scared of flying but there's always a slight tension, isn't there? <laughs> there's always a bit of we're in a fucking metal tube. Yeah, that's right. Being fired at 500 miles an hour towards yeah. Spain. <laughs> if something goes wrong, we're all fucked. And um, yeah, it definitely plays into that sort of, you know, residual fear. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I, I like being scared. So that, well, I guess maybe that's one of the things I like about air travel is like it's a little, it's <laughs> like a little like bit scary about it and do you know what like because you watch quite a lot of horror films it surprises me how rarely you do get scared like yeah. it's very very rare to watch a horror film and actually f- have an emotion so I, yeah, might, yeah, yeah. Like, I, might ch- I might check that out yeah I think, I think she is 7500 <laughs> I just want to feel I just want to feel something <laughs> anything <laughs> um, on the other hand um, I watched Halloween Resurrection <laughs> which I had never seen before. I've never really been into the Halloween sequels, apart from Halloween 3, of course, which is completely different. Um, Yes, it's as shit as everyone says. It actually made me wonder if I really like slasher films anymore. And then I thought, well, yeah, because most of them, you know, all the good ones, they've got, like, charm or humour or, Mm. you know, excitement, um, gore, weirdness, whatever it might be. And this just has fucking nothing. So bland. Mm. So that was my low. 
So now it's time to buy a slice of walnut cake and a craft beer from the concession stand, settle into a ludicrously comfortable velvet seat, and get our heads around a load of art house oddities. Like an art house foreign movie, frank and sexy. And our first feature this month is the latest film from Las Trier, 2018's The House That Jack Built. Your house is a fine little house, Jack. Just don't believe you're going to tell me something I haven't heard before. Oops, that was maybe a mistake. What was maybe a mistake? Me getting in this car with you. You might as well be a serial killer. Sorry, but you do kind of look like one. I feel like screaming. I definitely think that you should. <laughs> Some people claim that the atrocities we commit in our fiction are those inner desires which we cannot commit in our controlled civilization. So they are expressed instead through our art. I don't agree. I believe heaven and hell are one and the same. The soul belongs to heaven and the body to hell. Serial killer Jack describes several of his crimes with the mysterious Verge and attempts to claim that his violence is a form of art. Uh, Luke, as part of last month's Scary Noises winning team, you picked this. So tell us what you make of it. It's, I think it's Lars von Trier's best film in my opinion i like i like his previous films but i feel like this is his most well-rounded film it feels like it actually has a proper plot showing his own footage in his film so it is him being more egotistical that he has been before but it it just works and i think all the performances are good and it is him picking at things like people have moaned about with previous films but it's i think it's pretty much a whole film that is about a serial killer, but it's about Lars von Trier's yeah. career at the same time, which is quite interesting to see. I didn't even get that the first time I watched it. I, it was only afterwards I thought, oh, hang on, Jack is Jack is Lars, isn't he? He's kind of atoning for his, his sins by making this film, in a way. Um, I think of all the films we've done as one of our monthly features, two monthly features, this is probably the one that's most horrible towards its women characters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Emily and Bryony, did you... Find it no, troubling. Not about me. I know when things are horrible towards women. <laughs> well, yes, all right. But... <laughs> You've got a wife and everything. Uh, I don't know where she is. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, I, I was quite surprised in that I quite like this, and I'm really, really not a fan of Lars von Trier. I always think that he's very obvious and very kind of like, oh, look how outrageous I am. It's like mm-hmm. a little little kid who's like trying to constantly outdo it oh look i brought a dead bird to class aren't i hilarious (laughs) no lars go and sit in the corner but actually this this is a a well-crafted film but yeah the the treatment of women in it is unpleasant but obviously you're not meant to sort of think hey you know um you know we were talking about the um the ted was the ted bundy biopic the other month phil said that um it does a good good job of making out what an asshole he is and that is what you get from this as well. Jack is a complete arsehole. So oh, you're not yeah. meant to think that his treatment of women is, you know, you're, you're not meant to be complicit in that. You're just meant to be kind of like, Ugh, or that, that's how I read it anyway. But also having previously had an experience of a partner that was belittling and um, emotionally controlling, there were some scenes in this film that I found very, very difficult to watch. Mm. The scenes where he mistreats his... Um, the Riley Keogh character. Mm, 
Yeah, I can't remember what he, can't remember what name he gives her, but it's simple. Simple, simple that's right. Yeah. Simple, simple. Oh, that's that whole scene yeah. is absolutely that's so tonight. gross. Yeah, it's the it the really manipulation is. of like, oh, we're both just drunk. She's talking shit because like, yeah. oh, she could and be saved, and you're like, oh no, hang on, this is the last one Trier film. She's not going to be saved. No, <laughs> and that feels it just fit. That felt real. That felt mm. yeah. So if he is atoning for stuff he's done, you're like. Ugh. At one point, Verge, Virgil, Verge does call him out on his treatment of women which Ooh. caught me by surprise um because i was i had similar feelings watching it i was remembering the the truish crimes and sort of remembering what fucking losers all these you know true serial killers really are and it's like this guy isn't meant to be uh looked up to or emulated he is a fucking loser and then a character actually verged the guy who he's you know spilling all of his you know philosophies to actually goes actually you're a bit of a dick aren't you, you <laughs> well that's yeah. the that's the bit i think that made me go oh hang on yeah. this is about last one because he says yeah. Verge says the women in all your stories are stupid yeah yeah and and that's that can be said of you know selma in um dancer in the dark i guess mm. it can be said of um to an extent of the version of grace in um mandalay um uh, Emily Watson's character in um, in Breaking the Waves, you know, they, it's something he's always been accused of doing. Mm. Um, so yeah, it does it's, seem it's, strange to like to, to atone for it by doing it again. Yes, yeah. I know. <laughs> I but that's I'm, what he's like, isn't he? He's an arsehole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look how naughty I am. I can't be helped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's obviously an arsehole and thinks himself as an arsehole. What was the Nazi thing? He said that he was a Nazi, but he was joking, wasn't he? He was like, "Oh, it was uh, Can." He said his dad was a Nazi. He's got Nazi blood in him. Oh right. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. He did actually add the von part to his surname as well to make it. Oh, sound what a German. pretentious really? knob! Mm. It, does seem, oh, yeah, it does seem like he's the most important sort of character in anything that he does, right? Um, mm. Yes, he's quite a yeah, he's quite an odd guy. But he has got a sense of humour, though, about it. I've always thought he's got a good sense of humour. But I think um, The House of the Jack Built is his... You know, it's in five chapters. I think he's challenging you to laugh at each one as each one gets darker and darker. I think he's going, so, so is this funny? How yeah. This? Is yeah. this well, the funny? Second, the, ch- the second chapter is quite bleak comedy. Yeah, but he's just he, really he keeps funny, fucking it, it yeah. up, and then he has to oh, clean it, and just like and pulling away with the body behind the car is genuinely like yeah. laugh out loud funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that is, yeah. So is it, it's it's fame, isn't it? Didn't they play fame? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very yeah. funny. And you know the bit with the the, the really really horrific killing the children, and then having a yeah. uh, a picnic. <laughs> a picnic. Yeah, <laughs> that is you know don't, don't it is a it is played for humor isn't it it's the yes. most horrific thing i've ever seen but yeah, there is humor there it gets more and more absurd even the building of the house like that was i really enjoyed that imagery as grim as it was yeah, but it was, it was just it was like horrible and disturbing but it was ridiculous the house is yeah. so funny yeah oh my god so funny. and you know you know abseiling round hell is pretty funny isn't it <laughs> <laughs> the ending as well it's just like <laughs> I was like, they're not going to play Hit the Road Jack. And they did. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fucking best needle drop, isn't it? You just yeah, can't really believe is, you're yeah. hearing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get Having the wrong bullets to do his insane sort of... Oh, yeah, like, no, that's... Ten person. That's going to get a new one. Going back, going, these are the wrong bullets. I can't tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think it's the only horror film that has a um, three-way split-screen sequence showing different forms of grape decay in the making of dessert wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's educational, isn't it? It is, yeah, I learned something. <laughs> it's like going to see a Star Wars film, isn't it? Like, you kind of know what you could get with Lars von Trier, and sometimes you're surprised. Like, Rogue One was good. I liked the house that Jack built. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, they are very, yeah, they're similar. It's a similar vibe, isn't it, to all of them? Mm-hmm. Is he going to get his dick cut off? Is she going <laughs> to get her vagina cut off? <laughs> um, what do you make of the bit where he, the, the montage, like the 35 second montage of clips from his older films, <laughs> as Jack's talking about how murder is art or it whatever? It reminded me a little bit of that bit. Is it in Rocky 4 where they just play other, bit, other films from Rocky because the uh, uh... film was underrunning? <laughs> It's <laughs> <laughs> running last. Fuck it. What a DVD of Antichrist on. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just, I, I took my breath away that bit when I first saw it in the cinema. I was like, fuck, oh, what's he doing? This is amazing. Because I, I just love, I, I, I'm, I'm a big Last Montreal fan, really. I mean, I don't like all his films by any means. Um, House of Jack Built is, I guess, my third favourite after Dancer in the Dark and uh, Nymphomaniac. Um, but yeah, it's brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. It's two and a half hours long, but it's so easy to watch because of the way it's split into six bits. Yeah, I tell you what, I had that with quite a few of these that were split into little apps. Because yeah. it, it just made it more palatable and bearable. Yeah. It was like watching Jew on Oranges, because that's in six bits <laughs> as well. <laughs> Segments, if you will. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Uh, Luke, anything more to say on this? The picnic kid is terrifying. Mm. Like when yeah. he actually makes him into a proper thing in his little freezer. Yeah. That is, is oh, God, creepy. Yeah, that's horrible. And then yeah. he's just, he's there. Oh, uh, well, I'm glad you all liked it, actually. I mean, I didn't love it, but I liked it. Good. I was actually really, really prepared to hate it. So as apart from Antichrist, I've never really got on with any of the other Lost from Trios that I've seen, so... What an odd one to be the odd one out there, Antichrist. <laughs> I, I, like, I quite like Antichrist. I, I, I just, I just like a talking fox. What can I say? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe all the ones that I've not seen because I've been like, oh, Lars von Trier. He's going to be all Lars von Triery all over the fucking place. <laughs> Maybe they've all got talking foxes in as well. Do they? No. Um, but, oh fuck it! I can't be bothered. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> film you might like though, Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> Directed by Lars von Trier. <laughs> I'd watch that. I would watch that, yeah. All right, last month we asked you listeners to send us lists of your favourite art house horror films so that we could compile a listener's top ten. Thanks very much to everyone who voted. Nearly 100 different films were nominated, believe it or not, uh, which just goes to show how much of it there is out there. And I've put together a list of the ten that were mentioned the most times. Uh, inevitably, some of these are films we've already covered on the podcast. Like, for example, your number ten. What's that like to live deliciously? What's that one? The Witch. The witch. Yeah, The Witch for the Vivitch from 2015. Do you want a pre-dress? Flip <laughs> 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 a batter. Do you want a, little, you want a taste of butter, mate? <laughs> Right, mate, bet you'd like to live deliciously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that so much, though, because it's just such a shit exchange. It's like, oi, butter, dress, yeah, fine, have myself. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, so we spoke about that way back on episode one, or I did with the uh, four former devils. Uh, so we've each picked a film that's not in the top ten that we think maybe should have been. And my choice is a different film about a teenage girl who ends up beating the system through violent means in a way that her parents would definitely not approve of. Uh, the Neon Demon, directed by Nicholas Vinden Revan in 2016. Yeah, it was lush. I always think I love it, and then I watch it, and I'm like, huh, it doesn't actually do that much. It's a bit empty, but it looks amazing. It sounds yeah. amazing. The music's great. It's just gorgeous and creepy. Um, because a lot of I think a lot of the films that I got on with the most this month were the ones where it wasn't like out and out horror. It was just like, look how fucking awful people are. And obviously, fashion industry is quite cliched, but you know, it's full of dicks. So quite a ripe area and I just I loved how it looked it looked like an editorial shoot throughout the whole thing even when it was like mm. dingy and horrible and gross and just watching a transformation there's some like horrible stuff in it horrible people and just a really satisfying ending and I was just like mm, num 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 I was very satiated um, by the end of it <laughs> given how it ends I'm, I'm worried about what your num 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 <laughs> is referring to exactly yeah that was great it was just <laughs> weird and i had this as my low light when i first watched it um, a couple of years ago and oh. yeah it's it looks pretty the soundtrack's great but it is I, I was i think i was what pissed me off with it most was i was waiting for something subversive to happen that wasn't just these people are all cunts but oh look at the shiny colors there's keanu now back to all these people being cunts um and this the scenes that are kind of like the grimy and horrible bits are kind of like fashion grimy and horrible and then I couldn't stop laughing because I couldn't stop thinking of Zoolander <laughs> and if you guys have seen that it's like the, the derelict fashion show where they're all wearing bin bags it was, it was a bit like that I liked that it didn't go all out like here's some like occultist models I liked that it was just kind of subtle but still kind of in your face and I mean the way you're saying it's restrained and subtle does sort of su uh, suggest you've watched a version without the uh, the necrophilia scene Oh, well, yeah, I wasn't going to... That was the one bit that I was like, oh, okay, that's full on. Um, yeah. <laughs> the IMDB page for this film, somebody does a comparison of different versions and somebody with too much time in their hands and or is either very, very into Foley sound or is just someone that you wouldn't want to sit next to on a bus, not that you should at the moment, obviously. Um, he said, um, the difference between the, the R-rated cut and the X-rated cut is that the, there are more squelching sounds to be heard in your oh, necrophilia God, scene, yeah. including one particularly audible squelch when she does this with this bone. I'm like, Ooh, okay. And the Thanks spitting in the mouth. Oh, it's so gross. It's such a contrast because it's like that character sort of uh, balances between like the fashion world and you know do makeup on models do makeup on cadavers and it, that scene comes out after she's been rejected by this beautiful like fashion woman and it's just such it's such like a, a low like I've been rejected by many people but I've never like spat in a dead person's mouth and made out with them it was just it was maybe quite... that's the way to get over a broken heart that's what maybe yeah that's right the old song <laughs> what well, comes with the broken hearted they go down the mortuary <laughs> yeah it was just that was gross I've always sort of enjoyed Nicholas Wine and Reference films for being a bit weird like Only God Forgives is a terrible film but it is beautiful yeah, part, well, it's not a terrible film, but you know, it's it's a ridiculous film. This is the first time though that I watched one of his films. I was like, finally, he's actually decided to write dialogue. Sure, yeah, yeah, the yeah. The most dialogue in this film instead of people just staring at each other for ages. 
And it helps not having Ryan Gosling in it, who just is oh, so gormless. Drive is tedious, <laughs> isn't it? Just watching that man stand up. He, that yeah. is basically, that film, that's not a film that stars Ryan Gosling. It's a, it's a, it's a cardboard cutout of Ryan Gosling in a really expensive jacket. <laughs> it's a lovely jacket. It's, I mean, that jacket is the really star of that jacket. film, isn't it? Yeah. The jacket in oh, the car. It could be anybody inside him. <laughs> uh, right, number nine in the listeners' poll is one we haven't talked about before. We've got chicken tonight. Strangest damn things. They're man-made. Little damn things. That's a razor head, isn't it? It's a razor head. head. David Lynch is a razor head, but we're going to do that as our second feature in about half an hour's time. So we'll skip over that for now and instead talk about a different David Lynch film. Phil, you nominated Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me, a TV spin-off detailing the spooky final days of a teenage murder victim. Yes, I did. Um, how good is this film? I love this film so much. Oh, it's so amazing. Uh, I, I love David Lynch. I don't. I, I pretty much like anything that David Lynch has ever made. Have you seen his, have you seen his um, Talking to a Monkey uh, film on Netflix yeah. at the moment. No. Um, yeah, Fifteen minutes of David Lynch talking it. to a monkey. Absolutely marvellous. Um, have you seen his <laughs> weather reports he's been doing throughout lockdown? No. He goes. He, no, he's done all sorts of stuff during lockdown. He's got all sorts of like weird. There's there's videos that are kind of in classic David Lynch fashion. Kind of like, is this brilliant or is he taking the piss? I think it's oh. it's fifty fifty always. <laughs> it is usually fifty fifty. His yeah. weather reports is just him in his office. In California, going beautiful sky, <laughs> thirty degrees, gonna burn off later. Lovely blue skies. I just love David Lynch, and um, and he's got the first line in Firewall with me in that same shouty voice. He has, yes, yeah, I love, yes. I love the man who can't hear. <laughs> Garden call. Um, so it's um, so it's a prequel to Twin Peaks. And Twin Peaks, the first series of Twin Peaks is a masterpiece, right? Uh, yeah. So I wouldn't have thought that a film sort of would stack up to that. But it's better, I think, probably than the series. It's um, it's an incredible film, I think. I first saw it when it came out, about a year after the series ended. And uh, actually, I watched it in a double bill. It wasn't a real double bill. We just went to the cinema twice that night. Uh, first film we saw was Firewalk With Me. The second film, we went around the corner to Leicester Square and watched the European premiere of Braindead. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. An incredible awesome. night. Yeah. It was like a cracking evening. <laughs> really was. It blew me away. Uh, then re-watching it, like, immediately after a rewatch of the series on DVD, um, I think it needs that distance of about a year because you notice the, the differences. Not not just Donna being recast. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Some of the sets aren't quite right. And, um... But in some ways, because it's so freaky, it adds to it a bit because David Lynch characters have always, like... Um, what's the one where the main character literally changes actors halfway through? Lost Highway. Lost Highway, Highway like, switches actors. And so it, yeah. it doesn't feel incongruous for a David Lynch film to, to, for it to be sort of almost feel like a... Because, because the Firewalk With Me universe is a harsher, more brutal, more horrific universe in Twin Peaks. Yes, but what I will say is if you watch it immediately after the final episode of series two, it's not, <laughs> almost. <laughs> it's almost funnier and quirkier than how the series ended. Yeah, I suppose that last, that last episode is pretty horrific, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I was surprised at how harsh it is. I don't remember it being mm. quite that harsh. And the sort of, the, I'm trying not to do spoilers, but the reveal and the sort of realisation of what is happening to the characters Ooh. is so horrific it's yeah it's, it's really like the one of the darkest things you could possibly imagine and and somehow it exists in this film that's also quirky and funny and 
loving mm. and so it's just amazing that it's got this it was one the film can have such sort of breadth of from the very worst things to the funniest most sort of um one thing that doesn't work about it as a prequel to the series is um bobby shoots a deputy sheriff yeah and yet that is never followed up in the series <laughs> but that that should bring the fbi out and it doesn't. Right. It's never even mentioned. Because it's just David Bowie didn't tell him about it. They only do stuff that David yeah. Bowie tells <laughs> Probably, But he's yeah. stuck in a time glitch, so he can't really do anything other than turn up and go, ah, and then disappear again. <laughs> I have no idea. I've literally, like, no idea what any of you are talking it's about. It's amazing. David Bowie is in this film. He's in it for, like, 30 seconds, and it's, it's long enough for you to just go, David Bowie's in this! <laughs> yeah. And then he's gone. I would love to know what this film, how it comes across to somebody who's never seen Twin Peaks mm. it must just yeah, be absolute that. bullshit bollocks balded ash well, this is exactly this is why I didn't watch it because like my boyfriend was like you'll hate it and I don't want you to hate it so don't watch it and I was like oh okay he's like you'll just you'll really not enjoy it because I've not seen any Twin Peaks so Bowie is in it for about well I don't know, about a minute or two um Heather Graham she's in it for what 15 seconds, and yet she's credited up front in the opening credits, as is Jürgen Prock now, who's in it for five seconds and doesn't have a line. I mean, how how good are these people's agents When's that Heather they Graham get in the opening credits? When's Heather Graham in it? She's Annie. Uh, Laura wakes up and Annie's in her bed. Oh, yeah, of course. That bit's really awesome because she when, when she wakes up and there's like a, a, a talking bloody corpse in her bed, she's fine. Yeah. She's terrified when it disappears. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true right uh, let's move on to Japan for number 8 in our listeners poll house <laughs> Nobuhiko Obayashi's house from 1977 who who voted for this because I've literally never heard of this and it was brilliant I've never heard of it's, it yeah. it was great I'm surprised you never heard it I always used to see like probably about 10 years ago the picture of just the red cat all the time online mm, really skip me by I love the 70s I used to help run a glam rock nightclub and this so this was like right up my street it was just ridiculous and great fun how would you describe it to someone who's never seen it uh, spooky monkey. Um, it's kind of like <laughs> Japanese Spice Girls. <laughs> yes, yes they've all got great like there's games. karate one, there's fantasy, a, um, kung fu, a, a, a scientist one. There's like a princess Prof. one. Um, princess, gorgeous, gorgeous. Uh, Mac. Mac. So what would the, what would their band name be then? Um, uh. <laughs> Surely something's to do with watermelons. So I keep bringing up Monkey, but basically I keep bringing it up because Monkey was great. And um, it was released like a year before this film was made. So the reason why I think thought of it is because all the special effects in this film are very similar (laughs) to the ones in Monkey. There's a lot of, you know, wibbly wobbly stuff. Um, So it was just very joyous. That's great, yeah. Isn't it weird that a film like this with such awful special effects is loved completely unironically, <laughs> not in a sort of uh, Troll 2 way. Yeah. But people really love it, genuinely love yeah. it, not in an ironic way. The special effects kind of add to the um, the, the enjoyment, though. Yeah. Even though they are yeah. a bit wibbly. You know, like Alien or something? Like, we watch Alien, and there basically some dodgy special effects in Alien. It sort of takes you out. But in this... Like, if the special effects were good, it would be bad. Like, it, they, mm. they need to sort of gel with the general sort of... It all sort of feeds into that heightened reality and just makes it, like, it's it just yeah. so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's like a kind of live-action cartoon, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah. uh, 
There's a feature-length Japanese episode of Rent-A-Ghost. <laughs> I loved Rent-A-Ghost, so I have no problem with that. <laughs> of all the films we've ever watched for this for this podcast, I've ever watched, it was like it was the the, the, the nicest surprise. I think. Yeah. Um, it was a really lovely breath of like yeah. weird air. I got halfway through and I was like, I've never heard of this film before ever, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So it was nice to be sort of introduced to something properly amazing. I do sort of prefer it before they even get to the house. The whole bit of school the journey on the train all, all that stuff i think is so it's like a really long music video because it's got this constant funky score all the way through it's got all these ma- amazing uh split screens and uh backdrops uh, backdrops and it's almost animation like funky, and funky japanese grange hill in a way it's just like hey what are you gonna do <laughs> the sausage comes um, in <laughs> the sausage comes in and it's on fire and then it yeah. turns into a cat and eats someone's eyes it's um, a bit where the guy um, falls down <laughs> what happens he's fall on a bin lid or something and yeah, then spin he, around he, on his ass. he and... falls down the stairs and then he gets a, he falls on a bin and then he spins around and stop motion and then he can't make the train because he's got a bin on his ass. <laughs> and a small child is, is banging the bin <laughs> and he's like, it's all right, I've got a buggy. You get the train. Oh, there's a cat. Yeah, Your cat's on the train, by the way. Cool. It's a horror um, film, this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can, can we really so... call it horror? <laughs> can we it's call it art house? Yeah, exactly. It's got some That's gory. why I was like... Um, I think it does have, it has yeah, some there's... gory scenes. Gets her head cut off. Yeah, Melody gets completely chopped up. All her arms and Yeah, she gets her fingers everywhere. eaten by the by a piano. piano. And it bites her fingers. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, a lot of it. So I, I looked this up because I was just like, where is this? What? How? Why? And um, mm. basically a lot of the, the ways the girls get you know taken by the house, uh, the director spoke to his daughter, his teenage daughter. And he's like, mm. what are you scared of? And she's like, uh, you know, watermelons, uh, <laughs> pianos. And he's like, great. Yeah, let's let's write it. Let's do it. So it's all based on his daughter's like bizarre fears. That's great. Yeah. Nice, no, lovely. You know that bit um, where, well, I don't know if you do remember it, but it's something that always always grabs me is where um, uh, one character goes, oh, she's covered in mud, and another girl goes, pure heart's in mud. And that's a reference to the B movie that played in a double bill with this film <laughs> that was called Pure Hearts in Mud. Wow. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a dodgy translation. I no, it it's just a little bit of, ah, remember that film you watched before this? <laughs> <laughs> so meta <laughs> it's like like the uh, crimson permanent insurance bit bursting into monty python's meaning of life <laughs> it's got a good cat it's got a great cat um okay. i liked the constant meowing when the cat obviously wasn't meowing that was my favorite yeah i love it when that happens with cats <laughs> yeah. so the cat's just kind of wandering around going, and the sound's like <laughs> Right, well, while we're in Japan, Luke, your nomination uh, was uh, Shion Sano's Suicide Club, aka Suicide Circle, uh, which is about a mysterious wave of mass suicides in Tokyo. I just love this director's films. They're just so, He's so good, ridiculous, every single one of his films. And the opening of this it's, is... It's a terrifying opening. Yeah. What, what other films oh, has he done? So many. He does, he does like four or five films a year. Uh, I'm trying to think what you would have seen. Um... Oh, I'll tell you what you have seen. Um, XD, Hair Extensions. Oh, we I did love it that. The... That's a great yeah. film. Yeah, 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 I loved it. Yeah, I don't know. He's done about a hundred films now. I think he's trying to catch up with Takashi Miki, but <laughs> with Woody Allen. <laughs> Just do, do one every weekend. Yeah, I've made another film. It's where I. It's a mate December relationship where I get off with a really attractive young girl. <laughs> but this time we're in Spain. Yeah, that's, 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 that's about to be a it's got Hemingway in it. <laughs> Uh, yes, this film's awesome. I really enjoyed it. It's great. 
Mm. Uh, is it art house though? Well, I was wondering that until yeah. sort of the last half hour, and then I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's got. <laughs> it's, I, it goes weird. Yeah, I, I wondered that until the musical number. Oh, yeah. they've put a lot of effort into that band like they can really that. be like a teeny bop Japanese band because the two songs are actually pretty like they're, they're proper like catchy songs right? oh well you say that but they're, they're very under rehearsed I thought for some <laughs> the dance for such a success yeah the dance was great <laughs> that's very much kind of like let's make this up and surprise grandma when she comes from the weekend it's kind of horrible <laughs> but it's it's not polished at all I must admit I don't think I understand of all the ones we watched, the, uh, this is the one I sort of understood the least. Is it? Like, I don't mm. know what actually happened. Like, well, they, did they suggest that the band themselves were were subliminal messages? And yeah, that? but it, but it's bigger than that, isn't it? Um, it? It's there is a sequel that adds a bit more to the the backstory. Oh yeah, um, but it also completely doesn't mention anything more about the band or the thing I was most intrigued about, that little kid that phones the detective up yeah. and keeps coughing. Mm. What's that about? You'd never find out anything more about that in the sequel. Uh... Um, but but what I really like about it, I've never been that keen on those Japanese supernatural curse movies, but this is like a psychological curse. And I can, I'm down with that. That's good. Um, and I, and who done it's a one thing, you know, like who done it? Why did they do it? But how did they oranges. do it? That's what you want. Yeah. How yeah. did they do it? So, like, someone's behind Again, these oranges. suicides. It's not oranges, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> how did they do it? How? Citrus. And that, that's that's the um, exciting thing about this, because, like, you know that someone's behind it. And, yeah, okay, so in the last half hour, it goes really weird, and you never really find out. And that's partly disappointing, but... I quite like that it was open, because... There's all these like strange kids. Are they real kids? Are they spoopy kids? What are they? And they're yeah. like, are you living your life? Are you doing this? And then I, 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 what I took from the ending was that girl finished the the you know psychological curse by not jumping in front of a train, which is why the band oh. disbanded. Oh fucking hell! That second time they go to the station when they they get the tip off that there's going to be another yeah that's that, that's so like it reminded me of the beach scenes in Jaws. Yeah, like just mm. looking around, who's going to jump? What's going to happen? Oh, it's really good. I did cackle a lot at some of the, the suicides. Some of them made me... They well, were the quite big classic. blood spurts are great. Yeah, <laughs> those are really, it's, yeah it's, it's like some kind of mad comic book where you've got yeah. all sorts of things thrown in and you're not sure what the, you're not sure what the genre is, what the, you know, what, what's behind it all. But again, I think that, as like everyone else has said, I, I think that kind of, that works really nicely. Mm. That it's mysterious. The woman chopping uh, stuff in the mm. kitchen is... Oh, uh, that's really creepy because it's because of the grin. It's like mm. people... Which is a, a thing that happens in David Lynch's films as well, when you've got someone smiling, but the smile isn't like a happy one. Yeah. And in that, she's smiling and she's cutting her own hand up. Like, oh, yeah. What did you think of the skin roulades? <laughs> I liked it. Oh, that's horrible. I don't understand why they were in it particularly, but um, they were really disgusting. No, it all just build, builds on the idea that there's some sort of conspiracy mm. kind of serial killer thing yeah. that is never explained. Or if it's a cult type thing, some of them have yeah. got tattoos, haven't they? Yeah. Luke, have you seen the sequel? No, no, that's, I, I need to check out this. Is it done by him still? Or is it yeah. not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, like, okay. Yeah, it's called Noriko's Dinner Table. It's. Um, oh, yeah, of course. It's it's two it's two and a half hours long at least, and it's um, which which does, this isn't. He does quite a lot of long films. Oh fuck yeah! Love Exposure is four hours. Yeah, Jesus Love Exposure really. is one that I still I haven't checked out because of how long. Oh, it is. it is good. The first hour of Love Exposure is incredible. It's like this balletic 
sick and perverted musical. It's all, it's all scored to this endless loop of Bolero by Ravel. And it's this story about a, a Catholic priest's son who gets in with a gang of guerrilla upskirters. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Um, is that yes. gorilla as in? Yes, that uh, is. Gorilla as in gorillas. Just... You know, you know, you know what I mean, Emily. You know exactly <laughs> <what I> mean. <laughs> that's 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 the band name, Gorilla Upstairs. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I'm, I'm adding it to the list. By yeah. <laughs> Gorilla upskirts. There we go. Good, right. <laughs> okay, back to the listener's poll. And at number seven. Charlie? Charlie, are you here? Hereditary. Phil's favourite uh, film. Phil's favourite movie ever, ever, ever. <laughs> am I like, am, am I properly wrong about this? Because I've tried to watch it so many times and I can't see why it isn't shit. <laughs> it's so good. It's great. What? I mean, you're entitled to your opinion, but you are wrong. <laughs> we have talked about this a fair bit before. Uh, it was Brian is high, but CJ's low in episode 18. Oh, CJ agreed with me. Oh, that's yeah, cool. and Phil's low in episodes 22 and 38. <laughs> yeah, that much you've had it easy. Low twice. That's because I tried to watch it again. And the second time was even worse. <laughs> so you don't, want to, you don't want to go into it again. I think I've probably... Oh, well, we don't need, to go that, don't need to go that far into it. I really love Charlie. She's fab. Um, the problem I have with this film, I mean, I, and I, I quite like it, but it feels like a little bit of the story's missing and it's not entirely sure whether it's going to go for like the, um, the family thing and like family being cursed or the cult thing. It doesn't quite mm. come down on the side of either. But also... Um, yeah, Charlie is awesome and she gets killed off too quickly. Oh, she's like a TikTok star now. She's like a big Lolita TikTok really? lady. Yeah. Lolita? Yeah, well, like... Sounds really? a bit dodgy. Well, like, it's a Japanese fashion trend. Um, oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's fantastic, isn't it? She is Yeah. Great, yeah. yeah. I, I love the way she, the when her dad says, you can't sleep out here, you'll catch pneumonia. She just goes, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what an attitude to life yeah. well also do, 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 cutting off a pigeon's head yeah. doing, doing some craft yeah I really like this film I think my favourite experience of, of seeing it is I saw it in a cinema where it's completely silent mm. um, a guy behind me kept talking and the guy sat next to him got up and tried to fight him in the cinema <laughs> <laughs> and then his girlfriend had to hold him back to not fight this guy who was trying to take him out of the cinema um, that was that's that's what I can remember most from seeing Hereditary in the cinema. <laughs> what cinema was this? A uh, View Islington. Oh, okay. It's a pack in the in their um, MMA screen. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it just everyone was silent on the whole the the lamppost bit. Like that bit oh, got that me bit. so much the first time. Yeah. But preceding that, immediately preceding that. He's speeding to the hospital because of an allergic reaction. And then there's a shot of the um, speedometer in the car. And he's just about going over 70 miles an hour. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. can Americans think that, that is fast? <laughs> I love how um, we're like, oh, we're not going to talk about it because we've talked about it loads and we've gone on to talk about it anyway. That's how good this film is. Yes, it is good. Um, I don't know. People I've... have discussed the Nazis quite a lot, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> all right Lars you're okay are you saying these are comfortable by any chance well 
<laughs> so what our takeaway from today's episode so far Nazis hereditary and oranges <laughs> are all as bad as each other <laughs> are all as good as each other Disgust. take your um, yeah. obviously I've, I've mentioned before that it's got one of the greatest lines in any film all I do is worry and slave and defend you and all I get back is that fucking face on your face <laughs> <laughs> Fucking face on your face. Yeah, was that a slip-up? Was that an improvisation or a slip-up? Did she mean... Was that scripted? See, this is nice, isn't it? It's a film where you literally can't tell if they're going wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, she could have... It should be that she's angry and it's like, it's inarticulate rage at a kid and you you will say your fucking face on you. Yeah, I could see that that would be... But it could also be... Yeah, she cocked it up but they left it in. Why just have one face on your face? It's that fucking face on your face, on your face. Could have that. It's all right. Yeah. I mean, why not? all the way down. Yeah, yeah. Your face on well, your you face. could. It's that fucking face on your face, on your face, on your face. It's all right. Yeah. Remix. It's that what? fucking yeah. face on your face, on your face, on your face, fucking face on your face, on your face, on your face, on your face. That's that. horrible. That works. <laughs> you don't like Gabba, Brian. <laughs> I just, I felt like I was the woman in Bavarian Sound Studio. Right. Uh, where are we? <laughs> at number six, another one from 2018 that also came up in our highs and lows at the time. They were bikers and gnarly psychos and crazy evil. <laughs> uh, so that is... That's Mandy. Mandy. It is Mandy. Um, Fucking glorious. It is. Do you think so? Go on. Go on then. It was great. It was just fucking batshit. Just Nick Cage in a toilet with some great wallpaper just screaming. That scene is one of the best scenes ever, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. With a a bottle of vodka, whisker, Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Cage. That would be better, wouldn't it, if it was Nick Cage? (laughs) It would. Yeah. No, he's, he's not very Nick good Cage. at acting. I don't know if you've seen him act. Um, and you get, you know, you get really good Nicolas Cage. Um, he does, you know, the classic face that he does, you know, in every film. That, he does the um, eyes, yeah. He does yeah, the, the eyes. eyes, yeah. the eyes. Yeah. He's got the face on his face and it's great. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's batshit. It's mental. It's great fun. Uh, it's dreamy and it's stupid. And I really liked it. Yeah, I love it. Um, I, I don't know if there's much you can say about it there because it's sort of like a big splurge, isn't it? It's a big mm. splurge of acting and colour and mm. gore in certain things and screaming and vodka and tight pants and bathrooms <laughs> and no shirt and sort of hillbillies and trucks and guns and Blood. baseball bats with nails through them. So it's like, it's just a big splurge of everything. <laughs> and I, re- I really oh, liked it. This, oh, the way you describe it makes it sound so good. <laughs> Did you not like it? Luke? It's awful, isn't it? It's fucking awful. I don't... Like, the first 20 minutes is just some random mashed-together footage where they just feel like it's trying to be Antichrist at one point. It even does a fox scene, almost. And it's just... It's just... Tries like it's trying to be really edgy in those first twenty minutes, and then I thought, oh, it's going to do something. I have to wait another forty minutes because you see those people in the woods, and you're like, oh, now it's going to finally turn into something. And the title doesn't come up until seventy five minutes in, yeah. and then you're no, like, no, oh, no, now, no. Yeah, now yeah. the film's actually started. I like that. Now I've got to actually wait. I don't. I don't mind happen. that at all. Actually, I don't mind yeah. the title appearing halfway through the film. That's fine. I mind the fact that halfway through the film means that there's still another fucking hour to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's so boring 
I like the last 40 minutes. That's the only th- the gore the gore's a lot of fun. When it finally gets into gory bits, it's actually fun. I I was the other way around. I actually preferred the start. The the, the when it when it sort of became the sort of gory bits at the end. I still loved it, mm. but I was sort of the other way around. I mean, it's it's cool and it's weird and it's funny in places, but it's so long. I mean, of all the films that we watched with really long running times, and this was only two hours. This is the one I really felt it the longest. Really, so boring it's, it's like a 20 30 minute film's really been stretched out and slowed down and oh it's awful i didn't think it was awful and there was a lot that i did enjoy about it but i found it i was a little bit disappointed by it because i'd had everybody going oh this is amazing this is wonderful this is brilliant and i, I kind of regret not i think it would maybe it would have been better to see it on a big screen because you've got all the weird colors and stuff and Definitely. yeah but i've I got like, quite like, a big screen I've got quite a big screen and I've got an amazing sound system. All right. And it's still really shit. Right. I've, got, I've got a chair. I'm going to play this game. Oh, yeah, I was standing up. I, I was standing um, on one of those pyramid torture things up the arse all the way through. That's why it's two hours felt so long. Um, yeah, Nicholas Cage does his thing. There's like, it, it almost feels a little bit like they've highlighted bits of the script going, you know, when you do that thing where you sound like oh, you yeah. don't really know what words are and you've been used. And in, in this case, it's, it's the bit about the cheddar goblin, I think. Yeah, they, there's definitely, they've gone, just do you here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do the when there's a pink highlight, can you just do you like a million, million times over and remind mm. the people of other films you've been in? Um, yeah, it was, it was okay. I mean, this had a, it had a nice kind of droney, weird soundtrack, which I quite liked. Yes, um, the, the score is great. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I just felt a little bit like I was missing something somehow. I'll tell you what, it's missing. It's missing about ninety minutes of plot. <laughs> <laughs> also, the actress playing the titular Mandy. I know that for obvious reasons you don't see her for the whole film, but. Andrea Riseborough, I believe, is that's her name. Yeah. It's a brilliant actress. She literally gets to do fuck all in this, apart from draw and look winsome, and then have horrible <laughs> things happen to her. Yes, that's true. And that pissed me off. And I know, obviously, it's all it's the Nick Cage show, but have they not given her something to do that was cool, rather than just... Mm. Yeah, she's just professionally willowy all the way through, isn't she? Yeah. 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 It doesn't even make any sense. Why does he go all demon-voiced and stuff? What, what is it? Why would what, you go all Devon voiced? <laughs> what, it's a, I mean, I don't need everything explaining to me, but it just seems like, oh, just do it for the fuck of it. Oh, I hate this film. Except I don't yeah. hate it. The thing I hate about it most is I don't even hate everything about it. And there's things in it I want to watch again. And I will watch again. Just watch from 75 minutes in. <laughs> well, no, because they're dotted throughout. Because like, the first one is that um, Knock Knock Joker at the very start. That's good. Mm. But then there's, there's, then there's a terrible, terrible animation. Well, not terrible, but it just oh yeah, I'll skip random, that bit. That's no, I like the animation because it feels like it's a. It feels like it's a, feels it like it's a music video. But yeah. why does it? Why does it randomly just get thrown in? I don't know because Quentin Tarantino did it. <laughs> Probably why, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. Oh. Um, anyway, you can't accuse this next one of being slow and downbeat. Uh, at number five in our listeners' poll, 22 dancers, one DJ, and a bowl of dodgy sangria. Oh, you're so good. Can I I'm so happy. I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier. Yeah, right. We'll see. <laughs> Gaspar Noe's Climax, which to me is an absolute fucking masterpiece of intense psychological horror and a complete one of a kind. What an uncomfortable film. Yes. Yeah. Very. No, it was good, but it was very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Batshit. Uh, yeah. It was good. I think. It's I think. So good. 
I watched it this morning, so I'm sort of still cheering. Wow, over it. what a, what that's a time not, to watch it's it! It's not a film you watch in the morning. I watched a lot really. of these in the morning. Like I watched Neon Dean <laughs> on yesterday morning, then went for a walk, and I was like, "This is a bad idea." Um, <laughs> I I really enjoyed the the long sh- like there's basically what like 42 minute long shot just well there's there's no, yeah there's like two very long no, very, very yeah. long shots yeah yeah <laughs> just very uncomfortable. <laughs> just uh, I need a shower. Luke, were you at Fright Fest when this? Um, played as the final film that that year yeah and Gaspar Noe turned up off his head on drugs and I thought it was really cool choice of them to play that as the last film but it really it basically split the audience 50 50 didn't it so many people hated it yeah and then like so many people absolutely fucking loved it I felt like I just hadn't breathed in the last 40 minutes when it ended it's it's incredible um (laughs) Phil you hated it Like when you're saying about Mandy, it feels like you're describing a different film. You messaged me while you were watching it going, am I watching the right film? This is really shit. It did like, it did literally nothing for me whatsoever. Like I didn't, I'm, I'm willing to admit that I might be wrong, but it didn't feel to me like it had any, anything really to recommend it at all. Um, <laughs> so it's really interesting. You should love it so much because I, I can't see a part of it that was that was good. Like it didn't feel to me like I, I got the idea that it was supposed to be like this rush, but actually yeah. it just felt very dull and very boring and very samey. Yeah. You're saying everything how I felt about Doctor Sleep. <laughs> how fucking oh yeah, dare Luke, I never. Luke, I never actually clarified that night at Fright Fest. Were you on the love it side or the hate it side? Oh, I was on. I was on the love it side. Yeah. I just it was, just took me in straight. I, I it was. The, I don't know why it was the dance scene from the beginning that gave me goosebumps. Mm. It wasn't the rest of the film, like just that dancing sure. part right at the beginning. That is amazing. Just straight, that straight yeah. away. Yeah. It's just some people dancing. It's so good. All right, though. Phil, come on, like... come on, get up and do that dance right now. Come on. <laughs> you don't know anything about you, my friend. I spent fifteen years in the saw bomb. Tidy. Can you say 15 years with a sore bum? I hope it has cleared well, right up. Yes, people dancing sometimes can be good and sometimes they can be terribly good at it. Um, <laughs> but that's a rousing, incredible kind of like heart pumping dance. It's great. Well, I suppose that could be a thing, right? Like, like if 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 dance, because it's definitely a dance film, right? Mm. Yeah. So if dance. Now that's step up. You fucking step up. Um... <laughs> Fight. <laughs> so the dance scenes, I was like, okay, cool, they're dancing. And then they would sort of carry on dancing. And I suppose if you're not like wicked, they're dancing, then actually they dance for a long time. Do you know what I mean? You're like, okay, still, right. the music is so good as well. Because the thing about the dancing, though, is because it starts with that like very tight routine. Like everyone has their little solo, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's it's quite, it's an optimistic like fun dance. And then the the, the use of dance throughout the film, like the overhead shot where it's just getting a bit uncomfortable and sweaty and grim. The dancing's just like. You can't really get the impact because you can't see what's going on other than tops of heads and people falling over and death drops and it just gets a bit messy. It's like that bit of the party where everyone's like, I can dance and it's like, no, you can't. <laughs> and um, I liked the use of dance throughout this film. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, as I say, I'm still chewing it over because I watched it first thing this morning and I appreciate it as a piece of art because I, I believe it is a piece of art. Mm. Um God, I'm pretentious. I can understand what Phil's getting at because I, I, I had a sort of moment of clarity the second time I watched it. I've watched it four times now. Uh, the second time I watched it, I thought, oh, hang on. If you're not fully, fully engaged with this, it'll just look like a load of actors pretending to be high. 
They're not actors, though. <laughs> well, yes. a lot of not a lot of non-actors <laughs> of pretending to be high. <laughs> yeah, isn't one of them that was in the terrible The Mummy remake? Sophia, um, oh, I forgot her name. She played the Mummy in the Mummy remake with oh, Tom okay. Cruise. Oh, that's so bad. So she's only the second worst Mummy in this film. Basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> she is oh, a bad no, mother. Hey. Don't talk, don't talk that. That's horrible. That's so horrible. It was like going to a really mad party, but you're the designated driver. Like everyone's sort of right. like off their tits, and you're like, "Yep, yeah, yes, okay." Yes. I can I can understand that if if it doesn't mean anything to you, I, I guess that it's just. I did think it that must like, be a little um, weird because you because I, I did think that what was going to happen was that the ending because I know the director and everything so I thought the ending was going to be so debauched I thought it was going to go I thought it was going to go like you know, to 150% in absolute sort of freaky debauchery when actually right. they just sort of rolled about a bit. Um, with the camera upside down. Yeah, yeah so yeah. I, I thought it was going to go to places like fucking hell like 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 sort of like an update of the end of society or something, where right? It was just going to go completely bananas. Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Society with leg warmers. Yeah. If this was society with leg warmers, I'd be on, I'd be on board. <laughs> <laughs> All right, talking of dancers. Milius, Marcus, Martinci, Marcus, Hola, Marcus, Mauchelli, at uh, number four, it's Luca Godanino's remake of Suspiria. Uh, Bryony, you're a massive fan of the original, so you have avoided am. this until now. I did. It's long, isn't it? Uh, it is long? It's a whole hour longer than the original Suspiria. Um, mm-hmm. It's It's got a lot of political stuff thrown in. Uh, it's got Tilda Swinton playing everyone. It's yeah. <laughs> It's fine. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, because yeah, because it's just there's a lot of stuff thrown in, um, with Doctor Tilda Swinton's character. Who said? Do you think she sounds like um, Monkey Nina Conti's Monkey? <laughs> yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I don't think so. I mean, because I was just like, thinking about the original Suspiria and there's that great line, and I love to say it all the time. It's like, oh, Doctor, they're talking about your favourite subject, which is... Yes, which is... Um, it's great. It's, just, it's not deliberate, but it, ch- it makes me chuckle every time. I really like the dance scenes. I thought they were really well done because the focus is more on the story than the dancing in Suspiria, the original. I don't know. I was, I was just... I was, severe, I was, I was very whelmed. <laughs> it's probably too long the political stuff probably isn't really that necessary to have in it but i love the kind of wintry color palette in it i love the fact that the the Ooh. dancing is actually part of the magic um, yeah i've actually felt really moved by the scene where um susie is showing off how good a dancer she is totally unknowing that it's causing mm. olga causing to be pain. killed yeah, yeah. It's, that it's was just, cool that was really yeah. cool I'm not a fan. Um, okay. I love the original, and it's one that I can return back to quite a lot. Um, with this one, uh, my girlfriend never seen the original. We went and saw it in the cinema. She now doesn't want to watch the original because of oh, this, which makes me quite sad. <laughs> because okay. she really hated this. I think Tilda Swinton is. She plays like three characters, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah. Who else does she play? Because she plays teacher Madame Blanc. Madame Marcos, the the really decrepit witch at the end. 
Oh, okay. Grandma Butterball Cenobite. Yes. <laughs> With an extra little tiny hand. Yeah, a little tiny little, like, start the reactor <laughs> hand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, really, I really like the horror elements of it, but I know you've said you've liked the dance. I really hated the, the main dance in this. Like, the first time I watched it, it felt like it was done by people that didn't know how to dance. <laughs> it's modern dance. It's avant-garde. It felt just really badly done. Have you seen The OA? The series that was on Netflix. And what, when they dubstep dance to stop a school shooting? Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of that. Like, whoosh, ha, they make all these noises. Yeah, I was hoping for a big wave of dance horror movies. Um, there was there was another one that came out. Um, it was Madeline's Madeline, wasn't it? Um, or was it... Well, there was The Fits and Madeline's Madeline, both of which are very, 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 very horror adjacent, if you're very generous. Um, but both, um, yeah kind of slightly weird, creepy-ish dance films that they're not horror. But I was hoping for a big wave of it after Climax and Sister Spirit. It never came. Horror the hokey- shit oh, since 2018. Shit. We could make one and we could call it the Hokey Chokey and it could be about a serial killer who... I mean, that sounds like literally the worst thing. <laughs> it could be the best thing. Yeah, but <laughs> they, they have a weapon. They have, you have to yeah. say something. You put your left, put your left knife in, in. Your left knife out. <laughs> in, out, in, out. Stab it all about. You're doing the hokey-jokey. <laughs> I think this is where I'm going to pitch it to Netflix. Do it. If you take Selva's freak out from Climax and the Berlin Wall setting of Suspiria, add them together, what do you get? I would like you to follow my uh, wife for a few days. Of course. Wives, wives, wives. Wives, 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 wives. Um, <laughs> listeners, number three is Andrzej Zulawski's 1981 film Possession, in which a woman confesses to having an affair, but she doesn't tell the whole truth about exactly what with. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> but having said that, after Mandy Climax and Suspiria, Possession actually feels quite normal. Yeah, it's quite um, subtle. <laughs> <laughs> it's got so, all the acting hasn't it yeah. <laughs> like if you wanted some acting it's all there Ooh. I love Sam Neill on his chair that's my favourite thing oh that I was going to say yeah. chair. <laughs> just like twitching basically Hello. You know, I, I, if, I, if anyone was going to ask me uh, uh, for my top three screaming for 15 minutes at a time <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? Right. So my other half is uh, in an experimental noise band and he got very excited about possession and immediately whipped out the DVD on Monday night and was like, we're watching this. And then he got out his demo tape and he's like, look, the cover is is her and I've got lyrics. We quote it. And in one of the songs, we sample her screaming for 15 minutes. And it's like, oh, yes, I've I've heard that, darling. Very good. He loves this. I mean, it's an incredible scene, though, isn't it? It's it's awesome. Yeah. Amazing. It's an incredible film, I think. And and did you notice that... um, um, Selva in Climax copies part of that in her freak She does, yeah. yeah. Homage. And yeah. I'd, I'd not, for some reason, I, Possession is one of those many films that I never got around to seeing up until now. And I absolutely loved it. It completely blew me away. And then I watched Climax a couple of days after and went, I've seen that screaming before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it, and it's kind of, you know, much as I, I liked Climax, compared to something like Possession that is just so properly out there and properly mm. going for it. it it feels a little bit like you you know you're watching muppet babies yeah i think um, that's i think that's the word proper it felt proper in comparison to a lot of these i love how committed they are to it mm. yeah like, to and the, i, lo- to, I love to the that way that... of talking to each other and to making the arguments the the biggest hugest arguments they could mm. possibly be 
and it teeters on the verge of ridiculous and occasionally goes right into the right into ridiculous but it kind of works it's yeah just, mm. yeah I, I love this I think it's the closest we've got on this top 10 to um, what people think art house films are like. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I like it, but I find it hard to engage with because it's, 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 it's good, but it sort of borders on gibberish. Yeah, it's a bit much, isn't it? Like, if, like yeah. it's, it's a film that you need a break from, really, every 15 minutes, and then you can dive back in, like, yep, okay, they're, gonna, now they're arguing while she's doing the mincing. Yeah. <laughs> and the mince is just going on the floor. That's not how you mince. The guy that she's um, having the... She may or may not have had the affair with the sort of other Heinrich. dance person. Mm. Yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah. I, I, my, and he's got one of my favourite... Literally one of my favourite line readings ever. Was um oh your mother says you have a wife and child and, and he goes yeah they are in Cincinnati <laughs> <laughs> I love that I loved him I loved the way that he moved like he was dancing all yeah. the time and yeah put, he puts his clothes on then takes them off, takes them off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan I'm Aww. sorry Aww. <laughs> I really don't like this film I feel like it's trying too hard to be obscure. Um, it definitely in, is in many Ooh. ways um, <laughs> yeah. and someone someone got angry at me on YouTube for complaining about it and said <laughs> that they're sure I'll get good taste in film one day once you lose your mind. <laughs> Ooh, okay. What? Yeah. But That's then true, someone... though. It is trying so hard. Like, it is really... It's not an effortless yeah. thing, is no, it? I, I, no, I, I know it is, but it's, yeah. it's still... I still got caught up in it, and I'm still sort of thinking about it days later, going, God, that was good. And, yeah, it... it one of the joys of watching Art House Cinema is you can go, I, I enjoyed that. That was interesting. And at the same time go, that was right up its own arse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, is it weird that that's at number three? I thought it was strange. Yeah. That yeah. I don't, I don't know how that's in top 10. I'm sorry, but. I mean, it's, it's, it's well known, isn't it? And um, Isabella Gianni won the uh, best actress at Cannes for it, mm. which is quite fucking astounding, really, given that it's a horror film. Yeah. And her acting is just her going, bah, 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 later, bah, bah. Then tentacle monster fucking. Mm. Yeah. She does commit to it. All right, number two in our listeners' poll. Imagine the dress is your image, and from me onto what you project through an illusion. Uh, Peter Strickland's in Fabric. Well, we already covered that in episode 32, so instead we're going to talk about one of his other films, 2012's Barbarian Sound Studio, in which a mild-mannered English sound effects guy goes mad while working on an Italian horror movie. Uh, Emily, this was your nomination. Yep. Um, This is a film that really, really divides people. Um, I really like it. I know it doesn't quite add up, but there's something about it that you get swept along in and you appreciate all the kind of weird sound effects trickery well in fabric is brilliant as well but the humor in this is quite subtle Mm. i love the use of color i love the soundtrack um yeah yeah, i mean you end up completely befuddled by the end of it and i think um when i saw first saw this in the cinema um it was a matinee and there weren't that many people in the cinema and it was quite quiet and at the end of the film, everyone was kind of doing the sort of thinky thing. And then um, one one old woman went, oh, it's a loud about shit. <laughs> um, which, yeah, you know, I was saying with Possession, you can kind of go, yeah, it's definitely up its own arse. But I, I enjoyed it. With this, it's kind of like, yeah, this is deliberately obtuse. Mm. But I still really, really like it. I wish it lent more into the comedy aspect of it. Because it, when yeah. it's funny, it's very funny. But... Yes. I think it loses its way when it tries to go a bit horror-y. 
Mm. Yeah, I think he did a much better job of that balance than in Fabric. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, I still really enjoyed this one because yeah, sound effects is generally very interesting how they used to do stuff like that. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get the added bonus of it being like an Italian horror film, which is you know I'm, I'm well into yep. Italian sex films, so it's like cool. Yeah, I can lose myself in this. That definitely is an Italian sex this film, is an isn't Italian it? Italian sex film with a goblin. In. Yeah. <laughs> the oh yeah, there's, that's the other bit with the the, the the scene description where it's something like the goblin enters the library. He's dangerously aroused. <laughs> it's one of those films that's just really out there with what it does, and it's just a Toby Jones performance is great. It's, yeah, he's, 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 great. he's so good in everything, isn't he? Yeah. It's just a it's a great film all around. Like just just seeing the whole sound design stuff, the whole smashing watermelons and things, all that sort of stuff at first. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that bit where he's um, he's demonstrating all these people are crowded around him. He's demonstrating how to do UFO sound. Then the power yeah. cuts out, and then by the time the power comes back on, he's just standing there on his own, holding a cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. I really liked when he um, was told to be more assertive and more Italian to get his money, <laughs> and it was it was just like he felt so sorry for him because he was just like. You know, he's, he does sound for kids shows and he's just got, he's been thrown into this horrible environment for him and, um, you know, getting letters from his mum and he's being told to man up essentially and it's just like, oh, Toby. It's a film that's about sort of sound and light, isn't it, really? So mm. everything everything else is, um, uh, it's, like, it's like they basically took Jallo films and just boiled it down to the two major elements, you know. Um, so everything else is sort of subservient to that, but I've really loved it. Yeah, it's a lovely film. All right, so let's just run through the top 10 art house horror movies so far, as voted by you, our listeners, before revealing the number one. Uh, number 10 was The Witch. Number nine, A Razorhead. Number eight, House. Uh, number seven, Hereditary. Uh, number six, Mandy. Number five, Climax. Number four, Suspiria. Number three, Possession. And number two, In Fabric. And your number one is. Jonathan Glazer's Under the Skin, which was one of our features back on episode 30, but I remember it like it was just yesterday. One of the guys definitely has a boner. Two of them do. Uh, After the first one, I was just like, oh, that guy's got a boner. Yeah, yeah, it's really unusual to see that, isn't it? Watching it in an art house cinema, I was like, oh, there's there's, there's a a boner. Yeah, Obviously, it depends on what you're watching. I mean, you know, some films, boners boners ahoy. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Was that an Ealing comedy, Boners Ahoy? It was, yeah. I I was thinking it was more a sort of Laurel and Hardy. (laughs) <laughs> another fine mess <laughs> so as we've already uh, talked seriously about that one uh, Brian is nominated another film about a girl wandering around alone at night it's Anna Lily Amipura's Persian language vampire movie A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night so Bryony do you think this no. one deserved a place in the top ten uh, no okay <laughs> it was, no, it was like good it? No, do you know what? Because I chose this one because I was like, shit, all the ones that I've, I've seen and enjoyed, like that we've already talked about. So I picked this off a list and I was like, all right, I've, I've been wanting to see this for a while. And um, it just felt a bit pretentious. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> there were moments that I really liked. It's kind of just gone from my head to be honest. It, um, I only remember the cat. Um, oh, yeah. Cat's it's good. a good cat. It's, it's another oh. good cat. Another great big cat. I mean, cat. Big, big solid cat. cat. She looks um, good in her. She looks good, sort of in the shadows, doesn't she? Sort of yeah, and, and when she's on a skateboard, like coming down, that's a really cool shot. 
But I mean, it just again, it kind of it's very slow. Mm. Yeah, it's very slow. Um, you know, it's one of those films that was expanded from a short film version. Yeah, and that's it, it very shows. rarely a good idea, is yeah. it? <laughs> it really shows. I liked it more the first time I saw it because I think when it came out five, uh, six years ago, whatever, the idea of a sort of Iran set Persian language horror film about you know a girl in um, a veil, Islamic mm. veil, felt more transgressive and sort of mm. political. And now I just don't think it's got that kind of edge to it. No, um, maybe because we're obsessed with other things that the, the Western world's own problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, so it just seems like quite a normal kind of place that this bad city is, you know. Yeah. They've got, mm. they've got clubs. Big pile of corpses and all the heroin. Yes. Well, they've got drugs. They've got nightclubs. They've got, you know, it looks all right. They've got, the, you can get high at a club where someone's wearing a Ronald Reagan mask. Yeah. Not, you know, <laughs> might freak you out a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fucking, it's one of those films, isn't it? Where everyone just stares at each other for yeah. ages in and silence. Yeah, someone will ask a question and the other person will turn around excruciatingly silent <laughs> before they answer. <laughs> just, just answer the, you know what she said, just answer the fucking question. Yeah. I mean, yeah, one of the questions, I mean, I mean what, what is your favourite Lionel Richie song? <laughs> mine is, mine is Dancing on the Ceiling, Dancing on the Ceiling. Did you not notice that? Yeah, yeah, she says hello, hello. Yeah, hello, yeah. hello. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I did uh, search out a Persian bootleg of Lionel Rich's "Hello," and it sounds like this. Hello, hello. Is it you, you looking, looking for? for? I can, I can see, see it in your eyes. Don't hold Do you not like Gabba? You just need to remix in the hereditary bit now. I did. You just couldn't hear it very well. (laughs) (laughs) Could have done it better. It's not like I've not got much time on my hands, is it? Um, I just got sort of like halfway through doing that and thought, that'll do. (laughs) Right, does anyone else want to say anything else about a girl walks home alone at night? Well, I I quite like it. Um... So everyone's going to be a bit pretentious and that's usually just a cue for me to go, oh, I quite like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I can admit I'm pretentious, therefore I'm not pretentious. Or am I really pretentious? Oh. I don't know. Um, it's not a transgressive film. I mean, yeah, there's the kind of the, the trappings of it being one, but it's, it's just, it's beautifully photographed. It's, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of, it's kind of sweet at the end. Despite the fact that she's obviously a murdery vampire, it's kind of like, mm. oh, that's nice. And yeah, there's there's a cat in it. Soundtrack's good. I know, again, another thing I've said about 400 times in this bit, genuinely banging soundtrack. Really, really good stuff on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Luke? Um, I like that she skateboards. skateboards. (laughs) Oh, yeah, because that's your new thing, isn't it? We haven't seen a skateboarding vampire before, so That's very true. That's your new thing, isn't it, skateboarding? Yeah, yeah. New lockdown lockdown vibe. what I got into. Yeah. (laughs) That and trying to make computer games. Yeah, cool. Uh, Right, okay. If you cast your minds back to what came in at number nine in our listeners' poll, our second feature is David Lynch's 1977 debut feature, Paul Blart Mall Cop. (laughs) (laughs) Our second feature is David Lynch's 1977 debut, Eraserhead. Uh, There's no speech or dialogue in the trailer, so I will try and describe... What happens in it? <laughs> so our hero, Henry, laying down in space. A man covered in warts pulls a lever. A torn photo of a woman. 
a plumber standing behind a dining table, some sort of octopus, I think, a chicken in a suit who seems to be talking to a tree on stage, a sleazy old man about to get off with Henry's glamorous neighbour, a woman in a dress stomping on what looks like a large prawn, a small boy holding a severed head, and Henry standing in front of an explosion of dust. Don't you just hate it when trailers give away the whole plot? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, if you can uh, repeat those back to me within the next 30 seconds, you can win this week's star prize. Uh, A woman holding a head, a child holding a head. Henry in front, front of the dust. Floating into the air. Uh, sleazy man. Uh, some sort of octopus. Stamping on a prawn. <laughs> a chicken in a suit Water talking to a lady. A, ma- a warty man pulling levers. <laughs> you forgot the cuddly toy. Yay. An awkward stationary factory worker has to marry his ex-girlfriend because she's given birth to his child, but it isn't exactly human. So, Emily, you chose this as our uh, second feature. I love this film. It's completely and utterly batshit. There is that real kind of sense of compassion and feeling, even though, I mean, this is probably his most obtuse thing that he's done. But what a calling card as like a first full-length movie. Oh, yeah. It's just... It's just wonderful. And it's got this kind of dream logic to it. You get very caught up in it. I remember I first saw, I saw it when I was about 18 or so. I taped it off Channel 4 when they used to show kind of like art house movies or sort of classic movies late at night. And the first time I tried to watch it, I couldn't. I got as far as seeing the baby and then having that, the realistic baby crying sound. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, and that really kind of made me go, oh, maybe I should watch this another day. And like... <laughs> There's some films that kind of make more sense at about three in the morning and most of David Lynch's films are like that. But kind of going back to it now, you feel feelings even though what you're seeing is mad. It sort of taps in in a weird way into how old it is being alive and being a person and having responsibilities. And yes, it is It is a masterpiece. Yeah, Phil, you wanted to feel a feeling. Yes, it's 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 um it's a it's a proper like um live forever masterpiece. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. one of the greatest films ever made. I think um, uh, it's an incredible it's an incredible thing to sit through and watch and sort of and and so completely and utterly impenetrable, but also <laughs> so absolutely um uh, what's the word you know, you, you it, it's. Oh, God, I can't think of good enough words to describe a razorhead. There's nothing else that exists on the planet that's like this film. It's an incredible thing. I mean, it's definitely about sex, right? And it's and it's about responsibility. It seems to be. It's about sex yeah. and responsibility. Mm-hmm. And mm. there's not a human being on planet Earth who doesn't have some very very specific emotions to do with sex and responsibility. So, even though it's like. It's completely impenetrable. It's also absolutely understandable all the way through. And I had no idea how he's done that because there is a woman with a bum for her face singing in a radiator. (laughs) And you should should watch a woman with a bum for her face singing in a radiator, stamping on on, on worms. You should just go, this is nonsense. They're meant to be big big sperm. They're big sperm, yeah. Um, but it's speaking Big old to you. It's speaking to you somewhere else, and like mm. the only really incredible art does that, where it's it bypasses everything and just goes straight into the lizard brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It goes right in there. It's... The soundtrack is one of the most horrific things that's ever happened. Um, yeah. Oh, it's, it's great! I love that kind of constant rumbling of 
you know sometimes it's like an air conditioning rumble other times it sounds like sort of industrial which kind of fits in with the factory scenes in it but just that sense of unease that you get that's permanently quite sort of that the sound is like permanently quite low yeah in the background or there's sometimes it's a bit staticky and a bit fuzzy it's um yeah it's amazing it's a sort of texas chainsaw massacre in that in the, it's, mm. it's it is a bit yeah grinding you down or grinding into you in some way yeah mm-hmm. um do you know about its link to the shining no yes i did hear that yeah is this just another terrible room 237 conspiracy no it isn't no, no that film is awesome <laughs> <laughs> Um, Stanley Kubrick loved Eraserhead. It was one of his favourite films, and um, he played it to um, the uh, the cast and crew of The Shining to say we need to try and get something of that atmosphere into The Shining, um, mm. which would have been like imagine that for like a, your debut film. If you're like a film student, you make a film, and so, someone's like, "Well, what we need to do is take something of this. We, put, oh, we absolutely mm. can't recreate it because it's incredible, but like." To, Trying and you can see that they've done it a little bit and put it into The Shining a little bit, yeah. yeah. But I just sort of think, imagine if they had actually done that, that would have been either wonderful or completely unwatchable, yeah. Unwatchable, I think, because it wouldn't have had the same backing that a razor head's got, it wouldn't have had the same sort of emotional head. No, you can't, you can't really imagine Jack Nicholson stomping on a prawn <laughs> while, singing, while singing that song about in heaven. Scatman Crothers could have done that bit and he would have done a fine job as well. <laughs> Shelley Duvall could stomp on the giant sperm. I feel, like I'm, I feel like I've been really wanky talking about it, but like it feels like there's almost no other way of talking about it. How can you no, talk you about can... it without sounding Well, wanky? I don't know. You can talk about, you can talk about the comedy and I, I think it's really funny when um, Mary's dad is saying, he says he installed every damn pipe mm. in this neighbourhood as a plumber and like right in front of me is this enormous black pipe running through the middle of their house he goes look at my knees look at my knees Uh, the whole of the dad bit is brilliant there's the the whole bit I can't feel anything in this arm and then there's the the little tiny chickens and yeah yeah. The, the puppet the baby puppet it's so realistic and I think I think part of the reason it's so realistic is because it's such a scuzzy film. You just don't expect to see a puppet that good. So surely it must be real. Surely mm. this is a genuine mutant baby. They couldn't have afforded to make a puppet like that. When it's suddenly ill, it's disgusting. Oh, mm. uh, yeah. It's yeah. suddenly ill. It's really... Oh, God. Oh, you, I like that bit. When he's, oh, you are <laughs> ill. Um, <laughs> the more you watch the film, the more you kind of see bits of its personality. Like when it's kind of... It's rolling its eyes around and it's helpless. But at the same time, there is something human in there because it is kind of like giving him side eye. And at the end, mm. it laughs at him. And that's really sinister. But when it also, laughs at him, <laughs> I like how the bare bones of it is actually quite accessible plot-wise because, as you said, it's about you know sex oh, yeah. and responsibility. Because if I were to say, oh, I watched this film, it's about this guy who uh, got his ex pregnant, so he's had to like move in with her and navigate that, and then she's left, so he's stuck with the baby. And uh, yeah. oh yeah, also it's like a worm sperm thing as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because it's one of those films you really have to sort of let it wash over you. Because like the first time I saw it, I was about seventeen, and it was in a classroom, and uh, it, I think it was like the first ever lesson of film studies. And it's just like, oh, okay, I just signed up because I thought this would be easy, but no. <laughs> so you really have to just suspend everything and watch it. And on a watch... razor head is the first lesson in film studies. Yeah, honestly, it was the first I mean, film. I mean, we had to watch a Hitchcock for. Mind you, I didn't do film studies; I did media studies. So. Yeah. Yeah. Stagecoach. We had to watch Stagecoach in Morocco. <laughs> oh, over. Wow. We had to watch Morocco three times. Have you seen Morocco? No. Morocco is a um, 
Oh, God, I've forgotten who's directing it now, but it's about the French Foreign Legion. <laughs> that sounds riveting. I've seen um, Carry On. Carry On, Follow That Camel. Follow That Camel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to know about the French French Foreign Legion. Luke? I really like this. Um, I've seen it quite a few times, but it was just watching this time, it's still just such a mesmerising film. And I do think the the baby is very cute. I know most people think it's just this disgusting thing, but I just think it's a very cute puppet that they've made. And like I only said, with the eyes rolling around, it's just it's got its own personality. Mm. The the eye is sort of doing the side eye at, at him all the time, and it's just it's weird. Um, the bed cover scene bothers me the most though, when oh, she's stuck hard. in the bed cover mm. and just keeps moving around, and he keeps telling her to move over in the yeah. bed, and she's just stuck in this weird bed cover while he's got a blanket over him that has loads of holes in it. I think that's the bit that made me the most uncomfortable. Yeah, because it's just normal stuff, like the the squitching of the eye and the... the oh, yeah. The noises. Oh, yeah, yeah, they wish yeah. her eyes so much and they have to put this sound over the top of it. It's horrible. So what is David Lynch's obsession with women singing on stage surrounded by curtains? Yeah, he's got a real thing about that, hasn't he? Mm. I, I, yeah. I noticed well, he's also got a thing about your arm going numb. Yes, like, I noticed yes. that this time. Yeah, and the t- and tiles as well. There's the, the tiles on the floor in. Oh yeah, the, the zigzag, yeah, the zigzag the... tiles, and the tree on stage is very yeah. much like the tree that when they couldn't get uh, Michael J. Anderson, is that his name, back for Twin Peaks series three, they replaced him with a tree that looks like that. <laughs> oh, it's the arm, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, the, the arm. I mean, yeah, the fact that the fact that the, the, he is the, the arm. The man yeah. from another place says, "I am the arm." Yeah. yeah, Laura Palmer's arm bends back. Yes. Sometimes yeah, sometimes, sometimes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think a Razorhead is ripe for a shot-for-shot remake, and you know who I'd cast: Bob Mortimer as Henry, Vic Reeves as Mary's dad, yeah. Vic Reeves as the lady in the radiator, <laughs> Vic Reeves as the pencil maker, <laughs> Morgana Robinson as the next-door neighbour, and Charlie Chuck as the tramp, and maybe Les from Big Night Out as the baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the baby is still the baby. Les is the little boy that gets the head. Yeah, that would work, yeah. I think they'd do a really good job of it, that lot. I think they would do, yeah. 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 Let's call them. Must <laughs> have contacts. Well, next, time I'm, next time I'm chatting to them, I'm going to be like, oi. Uh, say what you like about art house horror movies. They make for some very cool sounding, scary noises. That's the fart book I hear, Luke. Every every month, Luke has like this wonderful childish grin. <laughs> every time he goes gets it, he comes back on screen just like. <laughs> and right, well, got, my mum got it for me, and then she when she's in the shop, she said, "Oh, my son's gonna love this." Somewhere in the shop, then had to tell them my age. So uh... twenty eight years old. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My mum did a similar thing when there was like free Lord of the Rings Lego with something, and, and she was like, "Oh, my daughter would like that." It's like you didn't tell them how old I was, did you? She was like, "No." <laughs> I think this is probably the easiest set of scary noises ever. <laughs> oh, good! I might actually get one. <laughs> well, I'm hoping for some nice high scores, especially if you can risk holding off buzzing in until you've got both halves of each pair okay. those extra juicy orangey bonus points <laughs> uh, yeah I think this is easy-ish anyway here's number one you killed him you big tongue twat you just fucking squeezed the life clean out of him I watched you so that is Emily uh, the music is Climax and the dialogue is Kill List neither is correct <laughs> yeah okay so uh phil and brian can you figure out this you killed him you big tongue twat 
You just fucking squeeze the life clean out of him and watched you. Do you know something? Saw this fucking sad sack situation. I'm out of here like Vladimir. It's the dialogue that film with Elijah Wood in it. Oh, what's that called? Um, the one that where they're in a big posh house and he's down in the cellar and he's... Oh, what's it called? What's it called, Cliff? <laughs> <laughs> You know the film. It's Come to Daddy. Come to Daddy. Then. I'll give you that. You know the yeah. film. It shows knowledge. That is how we describe it in the quiz circuit. Uh, <laughs> so, did you get the music? Um, <laughs> is it a uh, Neon Demon? No, it was A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Uh, okay. Okay, number two. You see, I contacted Claire because uh, her late husband was a dear friend of mine. We worked together for a number of years on the railroad. Oh, that, that was Emily first. Uh, the dialogue is the house that Jack built. It is. Um, and I'm confused by the music because I was going to say climax, but that's not how it works, is it? So No. No. Suspiria. It's not. Uh, so the music to identify for Phil and Bryony. You see, I contacted Claire because uh, her late husband was a dear friend of mine. We worked together for a number of years on the railroad. And uh, I'm a collector. Yeah, I collect. Uh, I collect tracks, old tracks. issues of tracks. It's a publication on the railroad. So, I don't know. It sounds like a sort of eighties slasher. Is it? Um, is it demons? No, it's Cat's Eye, oh. the uh, Stephen King anthology film. Which okay, that is quite a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing how much Phil loves his Stephen King, I thought you might have had a chance for that. <laughs> uh, number three. They have heat sensors. A warm body like Mateos. In the water. Yes, Brian Suicide Club. The music was Suicide Club, yeah. I wasn't paying attention to the dialogue. I'm very sorry. No, me neither. Emily and Luke, I'm sure you can get this dialogue. They have heat sensors. A warm body like Mateos. In the water. A strike, wrap around you, hold you tighter than your true love. You get the privilege of hearing your bones break before the power of the embrace causes your veins to explode. No? No. And Paul Blackmore Cop 2. It's not Paul Blackmore Cop 2. <laughs> it's Anaconda. Oh, I was going to say that. Oh. I bought the I bought the whole quadrilogy recently, but I still haven't watched it. <laughs> There's a quadrilogy. It's a tetralogy. That's what they call tetralogy, not quadrilogy. That's not a word. Quad, quadrilogy. Yeah, they shouldn't call them quadrilogies. They're tetralogies. It's a shit word. It's a made-up word. Quadrilogy. Tetralogy. It's a bugbear of mine. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, it's two one so far at the halfway stage. Two one to Phil and Bryony. Here's number four. Yes, Bryony? Uh, climax is the... No. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I've put a few things that might sound oh, like climax. I just want a climax. Just want to feel. Did you get the dialogue? No. They didn't say anything, did they? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I haven't got to that point yet. No. Didn't tell you not to buzz in too early on these. But you were like, oh, they're so easy. Luke and Emily, can you get these? I bet you can. Oh, no, 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 no,
I'm so pissed off with myself because <laughs> I know what that music is. I had it on my first MP3 player and I listen to it all the time. Right. Emily, like... Triple X. No. I Interesting know. choice. Is though. the dialogue Mandy? No. Oh, so the, the no, music was from Blade. Oh, God. Yeah, so no, go on, Brian. No, it's from Blade and the dialogue's from Bavarian Sound Studio. I know we're not going to get the points, but I just it wanted to... It was the to, aroused like, goblin, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, of I was, it was. I just... Yeah. Okay. I'm very the annoyed with myself because I knew both of those. Yeah, dangerously aroused goblin. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, number five. She has six million subs. Just check out a Snapchat star or something. Our apologies for the inconvenience, ma'am. As you can see, we are abnormally busy because of the conference, but we would be very happy to help you make other arrangements. No, just let me speak to your manager. I am the manager. Yes, Emily. <laughs> that is definitely climax. That me. is climax. Yes, and I, I was so busy waiting for the wibbly synth bit to kick in, I have no idea what the dialogue is. Luke, any is idea? Karen the Movo. No, very good. Uh, Phil and Bryony, can you get the dialogue? No idea. I've, I've seen this film, but I can't remember what it's called. I'm pretty sure the conference is like cult or vampire related or some bollocks like that no 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 you haven't seen it okay dead con dead con Uh, i'm surprised karen the movie isn't actually (laughs) (laughs) charles band hasn't made it corona karens (laughs) did you see they made 5g zombies as well yeah oh god so it's two all here's the last pair Ryan A. The dialogue is possession. It is. And um, music. <sighs> climax. I don't know. No, that climax. I know. So, I just want everything to be climax. I think so. we're heading for a tie here because I reckon Emily and Luke get the music here. It sounds like you can't always get what you want, but I've no idea what it's from. Oh. I don't know why I thought it was Mandy. No, no. Oh, I see why you would think it was Mandy, actually. Uh, no, it was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, yeah. for fuck's sake. How could I not get that? Yeah, indeed. So that is 3-2 to Phil and Bryony. Well done. <laughs> I'm just worried that that firework noise is from your book of farts. <laughs> right so that's the end of that once again thanks to everyone who voted uh next month luke's chosen slasher remakes for our theme with maniac as one of our features so what is the other feature winners of scary noises phil and bryony what do you want to choose oh i really like child's play we could do that should we do that do child's Child's play Play remake yeah Yeah. i love that wicked all right uh now that lockdown is easing possibly where can fans come and see you guys live in the next few weeks if anywhere. Uh, well, no, no one's booked me yet. I don't know how this will be fair. Oh, Phil. 
I've got two online gigs, but that's all. No one's booked me for their rooftop comedy yet. So no, I've not been booked for that either. Um, and yeah, there have been people going. Please remember, when comedy comes back, us who were semi-professional should be at the front of the queue. Well, yeah, but on the other hand, we all want to do comedy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll, I'll be online a bit. Yeah, I'm a technician now, so I don't yeah. I don't gig. <laughs> Uh, and I have nothing to tech, so I'll, you'll see me wandering around Brighton crying. Okay. <laughs> so, as it says on my script, go to those if you can. <laughs> and, <laughs> and come back to us in three or four weeks' time for Slasher Remakes, hey. uh, including Child's Play and Maniac. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.